welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back, and as always, thanks for listening. So, what is a sermon? What is a sermon? The mere sound, the mere mention of a sermon uh, just absolutely makes some people just run the other direction. Uh, And, I hate to say it, but with good reason sometimes. The thought process behind a sermon normally ends up going into the person giving the sermon. A sermon, when people hear the word sermon, they immediately think of a religious something. Talk, presentation, what have you. Well, if you look up a few definitions, the American Heritage Dictionary has sermon as in has three main categories. Uh, the first one is a religious discourse, especially one delivered as part of a service. Okay. Number two is this is almost this this kind of makes me laugh a little bit. It's um, number two is an often lengthy and tedious speech. Of reproof or exhortation, and uh, of course, if it's uh, reproof, you know, where basically the speaker is fussing at people, then uh, that ends up being a lot more tedious, I guess. But I'm trying to figure out if how uh, exhortation gets tedious. Hmm, maybe if hosting goes a little long, I don't know. So anyway, number three is a speech, discourse, or writing. Hmm. Okay. And then if you go to uh, Merriam-Webster, the first definition that that, uh, Merriam-Webster's got is a public speech, usually by a priest, minister, or rabbi, for the purpose of giving religious instruction. So, here's the problem, I guess. In a lot of ways, the teaching and preaching kind of mix, match, blend, and support each other. The technical, churchy, theology uh, term for uh, for preaching is homiletics. That's the uh, delivery of a homily. Homily being a speech. So where do you go? Where's the difference in a speech and a sermon? Is it the topic? You know. Well, the first thing I want to do is uh, recommend a book called Biblical 
Preaching by Hayden Robinson. Now, I've listened to a lecture by Dr. Robinson, and he's gone to be with the Lord. Uh, and in that lecture, he mentioned, and I've mentioned this many times before, but I'm going to kind of rehash it real quick, because it is important. In his lecture, he discusses that a preacher or minister or pastor, whoever is delivering the sermon, their primary job is to bring the ancient to the present. To bring the ancient to the present. So now how do they do that? They do that through the language, through the culture, and through history. They help the audience, the people who are listening, bridge that gap. Now, it's interesting, uh, a lot of times we define a sermon by what's being discussed. If it's about salvation, mainly, only, that's evangelism. So that's an evangelistic sermon. And we can just go on and on. Now, you may be wondering, well, what are you talking about? Why does that have to do with you? Well, so forever and a day, I uh, have been studying communication and have a bachelor's degree in speech communication and also happen to be a licensed preacher and have delivered many uh, sermons of my own. Now, the interesting thing, I think, is that back in the day, they used to uh, they used to teach a, a seven point format for a sermon. Seven point sermon. Seven point sermon. Seven point sermon. You had the beginning. Five points in the end, or the conclusion, okay? Now, oh man, people are all over the planet. Um, some sermons, you're lucky if you understand where the preacher's going. And it's sad. Uh, normally, if you're into a sermon about, I'd say, five minutes, ten minutes max, and you don't have the foggiest clue what that person is talking about. I mean, they, they're they're hitting scriptures and all this jazz. Then something, something went sideways. Uh, either in their education, in their preparation, or their, uh, or just their effort, I guess. See, it's amazing to me that people surrender to the ministry and to think, for some reason, that uh, when you know that the Holy Spirit's just gonna drop it on, like they can speak like with tongues of fire. Now, granted, there's a few, you know, there's some people in history I think that that probably did happen to. Um, Peter being one of them, obviously where he's delivering at the temple 
and uh, and then of course you know that second chapter of Acts kind of stuff. There, there's other preachers that have been really fantastic, but the issue is, um, those guys are kind of the shining light, the shining example. Here's what I would say. First of all, that you should look for in a sermon. And test me. Okay? Test test me. Go on the internet. Pull up some churches. Pull up some people. And and if you would think, uh, you know, hey, what do you think is a good example of a modern-day person who gets their sermons, you know, uh, lined up pretty well? Uh, I don't agree with everything John MacArthur says, but man, the dude knows how to line a sermon out. Okay? I mean, you don't have to guess what he's talking about. Um, and I do appreciate that. Uh, there's many other examples, but that's just one. Um, it's interesting that uh, in that definition I gave you an often lengthy and tedious speech of reproof or exhortation. Have you ever heard a, a a happy sermon? Okay. And exhortation is basically lifting up. It's encouragement. Okay, that's what it is. Exhortation is encouragement. So they're trying to encourage you. And then they just go round and 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 round. And you're going, okay, if I get any more sunshine, I'm going to get sunburned. So, at the very least, first of all, outside of the title of the sermon, which is probably going to be written somewhere, either on the screen or on a piece of paper, you should be able to know what that person is talking about with out seeing the title within the first five to ten minutes. I'm going to say five. Five's even stretching it. I'm saying, but five to ten minutes, you got to know. <laughs> I mean, what they're getting at. They used to, even in, in speech, say, have this pattern. And this is going to sound silly, but it's true. They said, well, what you do is you tell them what you're what you're talking about, then you remind them that you told them, and then you remind them that you reminded them that you told them. <laughs> that sounds kind of crazy, but it, but in, in a way, it's very true. Now uh, there are speech techniques and delivery techniques and all kinds of other stuff where people kind of keep you in suspense and then they'll turn it on you and stuff like that and that's all good and fine and whistles and bells but more often than not when you're looking at the word of God and you're presenting the word of God there shouldn't be any ambiguity going on in your I mean as to what the person's talking about the other thing is, 
is that there should be points that you can write down and you, you shouldn't I mean and, and I know that a lot of times the outline of the sermon is on the screen or on a piece of paper but I'm just telling you straight up you have to be able to turn your back to the screen and write out each point the speaker is trying to make and beyond that also you should be able to at least write one of the supporting things that they're saying about each point so what do I mean well let's go back to the to the seven point sermon because I'm telling you that just like went on forever so you have the introduction where where you're you know you're explaining and usually and a lot of times you'll hear somebody uh, um, somebody use a story or a fact or something of that nature and that's just I'm telling you straight up out of speech class and by the way a sermon is a speech it has to do with what you're addressing now Then, when they get into the body, they call it, where you have the five points, with each point, they'll have X number of sub-points to support what they're trying to say. Normally, in a sermon, you're talking about Scripture. Now, here's where, it's get, here, here's where it gets real important, all right? Because... A lot of preachers will start yanking scriptures from all over the place without context and start trying to prove what they're telling you on the point with these scriptures. Okay? And it won't be in context. Well, what do you mean by context? I mean, they won't show you this is this is where it came from. This is who who is being written to. This is where you know this is where it came. You know, they won't give you the supporting information about that verse they're using. Why? Because they're too busy trying to prove their point. The scripture has a point. Every book in the Bible has a point. Every section of every book has a point. And the complication is, is a lot of times you'll get preachers that just start yanking stuff all out of ever, everywhere that they think proves their point or supports their point. And it don't. Now, oddly enough, there are points that people will make and they'll use a scripture And it'll be the wrong scripture. In other words, the point is supported in the Word. You know what what they're trying to tell you is supported in the Bible. It's just they'll use the wrong scripture to to, <laughs> to prove the point. But you should be able to know what they're talking about, what what the topic is, without looking at anything. I mean, just by listening to them in the first five to ten minutes. And that's being really blooming generous. 
Probably ought to be the first two minutes, but I'm just saying. You should be able to know without looking, just listening. If you were, had blinders on, you ought to be able to write out, well, let's say, yes, yes. With, with your eyes shut, you should be able to write. No, no, no. I'm just saying. You should not be able to remember, oh, okay, there's one point, and then you write it, and you can open your eyes, write it down, shut your eyes, okay, there's the other point. You ought to be able to do that. Now, does that mean they have to beat you over the head with it? No, not necessarily. In fact, the really gifted preachers won't do that. And someone who's been doing it a while, with more experience, they're a lot smoother, okay? But depending on the person, you, you know, you may have to cut them a little slack. It may, may be a little... may be a little uh, boxed. Boom, boom, boom. But I can tell you this. I'll take a boxed delivery where I know what this person's trying to say over a meandering where I'm trying to guess where in the world they are seven days a week and twice on Sunday. Totally will do that. Now, why am I saying all this? Because sermons are important. Sermons are important. Now, here's the crucial part. A sermon... may have teaching in it, but its primary function is behavior change. Some kind of behavior change. That's what a sermon is for. Teaching can do behavior change. In fact, we study the Bible for behavior change. But but also, but the studying the Bible has to do with gathering the biblical information so you know the Bible better, so, you're, so you can line stuff out, and so you can get to know the Lord better. All right. A sermon is ideally supposed to be the Holy Spirit speaking through this individual about something that has been put upon their heart that is a problem that needs to that needs to change now it can be the world the nation the state the the church the people the attitude it can be all kinds of topics but a sermon ought to be something that makes you want to change And you know, you don't have to be the best preacher on the planet. But if God's put a message in your heart, then speak it. That's what speak it on is all about. i got to tell you straight up, that's what speak it on is all about. Speak the word. Speak your message. If you're giving a sermon, let the Spirit speak through you. If you are listening, I want to encourage you. Take notes. T 
take notes during the sermon. Unless you get a memory that can that can handle that. Now that's fine. But I'm just saying, take notes. Why? Because when you write it down, you get the me- you get the muscle memory, you get your brain involved, you get your visual, your auditory, you get all of these things working all at the same time. And you will remember more. And again, it's all about change. Now sometimes it, there's a lot of encouragement involved. A sermon can be, doesn't have to be gloom and doom all the time. It, that, people get that impression. Oh, he's just going to sit there and just talk about all my sins. Well, if, you know, as the saying goes, if the shoe fits, go ahead and wear that. But also, there ought to be some encouragement in there. And and I'll I'm going to throw this in, and this isn't just for Southern Baptists or Baptists or Baptists in general. Every sermon, every evangelical sermon, at some point should have a call to the Lord in it. It doesn't have to be thirty minutes, but it need there needs to be an opportunity for people to come to Jesus. An altar call, they call it. Because every time the word of the Lord is shared, the Spirit may be working on an individual, and that individual may be feeling the need to come to Jesus. And they ought to get the opportunity for that. That's why, you know, I'm not saying make every sermon an evangelical sermon, what I'm or a uh, an evangelistic sermon. I'm saying that at the end of every sermon, there ought to be a moment where you say, "Hey, do you know this person that I'm talking about? Have you given your life to this person? Because I want to give you uh, there the opportunity is right now. You may walk outside." And something happened to you. So praise the Lord, you're here right now. This is the moment. And then let them, you know, and then offer an altar call for them to, to, in whatever way they can, to acknowledge that to the church. Now, I'm not going to get into a big discussion on how people are to do that, but I will. But I'm going. I am going to say this: that at some point, public profession of faith is something that Jesus wants out of everybody. There's no such thing as a secret agent Christian. Not supposed to be anyway. At some point, you have to let everyone know. Jesus is in your heart. And you ought to be happy to do that, by the way. Why? Because Jesus is in your heart and your life is completely changed. So anyway, encourage you, I want to encourage you to take notes. Listen and think about behavior change while you're listening to the sermon. Alright? God love you. God bless you. And keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, 
Don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth.